We say that we're indeed happy that you've come this morning to worship God. Let me extend a personal invitation to you to come back tonight. We'll learn tonight at the feet of the greatest preacher that ever preached. And listen in my judgment to the greatest sermon that has ever fallen on the ears of mortal man. The invitation of that sermon, our Lord said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and there is the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find. I want tonight to examine the Sermon on the Mount. Rather than preach a sermon on a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord preached that as one sermon. And I want us to see it tonight as the Lord presented. I think it will be an encouragement to us and it will help us to understand the value of spiritual things and understand that the gospel is intended for the inside of man's heart. We announced last Wednesday night we're going to talk this morning on the subject being conformable unto his death. You've seen a lot on television the last two weeks, I'm sure, concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord as the world celebrates what is commonly called Easter. The word Easter appears one time in the King James Version of the New Testament. It's in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, verse 4, where it is incorrectly translated and should be translated Passover. What is now known as Easter did not come into being until many, many years after the establishment of the Lord's church and the completion of the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, the apostle Paul says, We walk by faith and not by sight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he discusses the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 11, Peter said, If any man speak, let him speak as the ark of God. Titus told, or Paul told the young preacher Titus in Titus 1 and verse 6, But speak thou the things which be fit or become sound doctrine. We need to remember our Lord, as I pointed out on the radio program this morning, the first day of each week. We need to remember the Lord's death. We need to remember his presence. And we need to remember his coming. We need to understand what the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the earth, living, suffering, and dying, and being resurrected from the dead means for us. We ought not to observe one or two holidays a year that we have no Bible authority for observing. We need to do only that for which we find authority in the New Testament to practice. Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, turn into the kingdom of heaven, and he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 7 and verse 21. And so, inasmuch though that our minds have been brought to the cross, and since I don't preach on the cross just 
one time a year at Easter or whatever it might be. I want to call our attention to some things this morning concerning the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the third chapter of the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul says, beginning with verse 7, But I, but what things were gained to me, I count them but loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, that which is the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might obtain the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already obtained, neither were already per perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Let therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if anything you're otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Paul said that he might know him, the power of his resurrection, and that he might be made conformable unto his death. It was Paul's desire that the characteristics and the traits of the life of Christ that were set forth in the cross and the thing that led to the cross and the life that followed the cross would be the characteristics of his life. He said that he wanted to be conformable unto the death of our law. The word conformable as it is used in that passage is taken from a word that means to be in unity of shape. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul desired. He desired to be in unity of shape under the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The passage that was read to you this morning from Luke chapter 14, also from Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, when our Lord said, If any man would come after me or be my disciple, let him take up, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And it's quite interesting to me that many, many times in the New Testament, the illustration is given by our Lord that we take up the cross and follow him. What does that mean? In the 10th chapter of the book of Mark, for instance, there was a rich young ruler that came to the Lord Jesus Christ and he kneeled down and said, Lord, what might I do that I might inherit eternal life? Mark 10 and verse 21, Jesus said, Then Jesus beholding him loved him and he asked him or said unto him one thing thy life, Go sell what thou hast and give unto the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. 
I believe that the passage that we have just read is a divine commentary on what it means to take up the cross of Christ and follow him. The Apostle Paul had reason for boasting as far as the things of Judaism was concerned. If you'll read the first part of that chapter of the Philippian letter, chapter 3, you'll understand that Paul could boast if the things that were important were the things of Judaism. When Paul came to understand and to see what the cross meant, it changed the direction of his life. Paul began to understand that the things that meant something to him in this life were no longer important. And so therefore, he said, the things that I counted gain, I count but loss. When he began to take the things of life and place them on the balance scale of life. And he placed all that he had over here concerning the things of life, the education that he had, the possessions that were his. And on this side he placed the cross of Christ. And then when he began to weigh what was important, the cross of Christ far outweighed everything else in this life. This is that that caused him to have a single ambition in life. He made the statement here in the third chapter, this one thing I do. It was because of the Christ, because of the cross of Christ. Paul weighing what this life meant and the things of this world meant against Christ and the cross, that he could say this one thing I do. We need to come to understand what the cross really means. If I were to ask you this morning, what does the cross mean to you? How would you answer that? Do you see that in your life that the most important thing in this life is the cross of Christ? Or is that secondary to other things primary? If you were to begin to take your life and place it on the balance scale. And on this side of the scale, you put the material possessions of this life. You place the things of this life and that this world has to offer. And on this side of the scale, you place the cross of Christ. And this set of scales with your life, where would the balance be? Paul said that I have a single purpose in this life. And it was because that he came to understand that the important thing in life is to be conformable under the death of our Lord. In view of that, I can understand what the Lord meant in the case of the rich man in Mark 12 when he said, you go sell all that you have and give them to the poor and come and follow me. That if this man were to take up the cross of Christ, that that cross was going to have to be the most important thing in his life. And that it, it must be primary and all other things must be secondary. Paul said that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and be made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might obtain the resurrection of the dead. And that's quite interesting. Literally, Paul saying that if he were to be conformable unto the death of Christ, then he would enjoy the benefits of the resurrection of our Lord. 
And it's only the man who is conformable under the cross of Christ that will ever be able to enjoy the benefits of that resurrection. I think we need to come to see and come to know what the cross really means. If you were to ask someone back in the time of Christ, what do you think of when you see a man bearing a cross? What do you think he'd say? Go back to the time when our Lord has been tried, when they begin to walk to the hill of Galgotha. What did that cross he had? It meant that. No wonder Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, being made conformable unto his death. I think it's quite unfortunate that the cross is meant to us or come to me, something that can be manufactured, worn on a neck, placed on a building, or looked at as we pass by. Cross of Christ, men is day. I want us to notice this morning in a brief time that we have some three things that the cross means. And to see in our own lives if it's come to mean that in our lives. Jesus said, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's quite interesting in that same context that he talks about a man losing his life for my sake and finding You may be like I am. I'm curious about things like that, and I begin to wonder what they mean. I think I know after studying this passage what it means to lose one's life for the sake of the Lord. In the first place, let me suggest unto you that the cross of Christ meant absolute conformity under the will of God. Jesus was not forced to go to the cross. In the 10th chapter of the book of John, the Bible says concerning the cross, as Jesus declared, no man taketh it from me, that is his life, I lay it down on my side. I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of the Father. And so Jesus said he did not have to go to the cross. He was not forthright. But it was because that his will was conformed under the will of Christ that willing he offered himself as a sacrifice and service of us. We must learn that our wills must be conformed unto the will of the Lord. In the fourth chapter of the book of John, Jesus declares, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In the fourth chapter of the book of Matthew, you have recorded the temptations of our Lord. And in recording the temptations of our Lord, you'll find that the devil carried the Lord upon the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you everything that's out there. That I'll give you the whole world if you'll but fall down and worship and serve me. The will of our Lord was to do God's will. 
Therefore, he did not allow the temptation of Satan to stray him from that will. He recognized that it was through the power of the cross that he would obtain preeminence. And that it was God's will that it be done that way and his heart was set in that direction. In the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew, you'll find that Jesus had announced to the disciples that he would go to the cross. And Peter took him in verse 22 and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it for thee, Lord, for this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, art an offense for me. For thou savorest not the things which be of God, but those things which be of man. And it's against that background that he makes the announcement, If any man would be it, my disciple, let him take up his cross and follow me. Peter was saying to him, Lord, you can't go back. Jesus said, it's the will of God that I go back and that I savor the things which be of God. They're important to me. They're primary in my life. They're the only thing that really matters. So thereby the will of God is my will. And with the cross, I will go. You see him go to the Garden of Gethsemane again. There prayed. The face of the temptation that he faced to forego the cross. Yet three times he prays, Father, thy will be done. Is the will of God the primary thing in our life? Is that what we consider most important? If you were to place your life on this shade, would you consider God's will as the first thing in your life, or would you have to come over here with the world? And would you have to say that there are things that are more important to me than the cross of our Lord? That God's will is important? Yes. There's something else that's better than that. We need to be conformable unto his death. In the 12th chapter of the book of John, you'll find that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says concerning his going to the cross that it was for this cause that he had come to that very hour. His whole life was said in that direction. Turn over there with me. Let's just read. John 12, beginning with verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto them, saying, The hour come when the Son of Man shall be glorified. Verily I said, You accept the corn of wheat, fall unto the ground, and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it shall bear much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Now what is more important? The cross of Christ or the things of this life? If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. 
Now is my soul trouble, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause am I coming to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came their voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it. And the people that stood by heard it, and it thought, they said it thundered, and others said an angel spake to him. And he, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto myself. To be conformable unto the death of our Lord is to place the cross and Christianity and what that means above all else. If my life is in the battle, it's secondary and the cross is primary. It was the will of our Lord to do the will of Christ. Hebrews 5, 8, 9, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And he been made perfect, he became unto all them that obeyed the author of eternal salvation. In the second place, it was at the cross that Jesus poured out his life and service and sacrifice for us. For one to be made conformable under the death of our Lord is to understand that the Christian life is a life of sacrifice and service. It was at the cross that we see Jesus pouring himself out for men who were in sin. At the cross we learn the value of a soul. To be made conformable under the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is to place the same value on one soul that Jesus was. And the context of the very passages we've read. Jesus said, For what shall a man be profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his son? Jesus realized that man was valuable even though man was in sin. And Jesus' desire above all others was to see one forgiven of his sin. Have we learned what the cross really means when we do not desire and work toward the salvation of us? Can we understand what the Lord is saying when he says that we're to take up his cross and follow after him? Can we understand what Paul says in this passage when he says that I might be conformable unto his death? We think about the souls of others and that does not really get us in the heart and take us to the place where we're ready to do desire above all else to do something about their lost condition. Jesus, in going to the cross, demonstrated that we're to empty ourselves and that in our lives are to be lives of sacrifice, lives of service. Yet in the Lord's church today, rather than to serve, there are many who wish to be served. And if the time comes when they're in the hospital, for instance, and somebody doesn't come to see them, they're all upset and ready to quit. Or if they're sick at home and they're not called, they begin to say, well, 
They didn't call me down there. They don't care nothing about me. The Christian life is not to be served, but to serve. In the cross, we learn that primary in one's life is to place others. Secondary in one's life is to place Christ. Jesus there emptied himself not for sins that he had committed, but for our sins. And it was my sin that put him on the cross. We need to see that we too must empty ourselves. As evidence of the fact that this can be misunderstood, we studied this last Wednesday night from the 8th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Verse 11, the Bible says, And through thy knowledge thy weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Are we interested in self or are we interested in the edification of us? Do we see ourselves as primary, as most important, or ourselves as secondary and others as most important? If you look at the Philippian letter, You'll see in this letter the very thing demonstrated that we're talking about. In Philippians 2 and verse 1, he says, If therefore there be any love or consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of spirit, any bowels of mercy, fulfill you my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, be of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let not every man look on his own things, but every man look on the things of us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery being equal with God, being in the form of God, but he took on himself no reputation and took on himself the form of a servant, made in the likeness of man, being fashioned as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient even to death, yea, death on the cross. And finally, to be made conformable under the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is to realize that it's through a cross that we receive a Christ. Jesus Christ was exalted because of the cross. It was through the cross, and that was the only method whereby he could receive a cross. Really, when you study the temptation of our Lord in the fourth chapter of the book of Matthew, Satan saying unto him, just forget the cross. If you'll just fall down and worship me here and now, I'll give you all this work. You can get around the cross. You can go around that. You go mid-head and you'll still be exhausted. You'll have all that this world will give you, all it desires. Yet Jesus realized that the only way to a crown was through the cross. This same chapter, the book of Philippians, it says in the very next verse, Wherefore God hath also had exalted, given him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow the things in heaven, the things in the earth, and the things on the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Paul said that he had learned that lesson. That he wanted to be conformable under the death of Christ. Paul realized 
that it was through a life of service and sacrifice that a crown was won. And writing the second epistle to the young preacher Timothy, in the fourth division of that, beginning with verse 6, Paul said, I am now ready to be offered. And the word offered there is a sacrificial term. I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to be sacrificed. He'd come down to the end of the pathway of life. Death was upon him. And he said, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the fight. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me in that day. Not unto me only but unto all who love his appearance. Paul, in coming down to the end of the pathway of life, did not start there. He was offered throughout his life. As evidence of that, turn back to the same letter, the Philippian letter. And in the second chapter, in verse 17, he says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you. In the third chapter, after he had said in it, I am willing and want to be made conformable unto the death of our Lord. He expresses the idea that the crown is the end of the cross. When he says in verse 20, beginning for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned, the American Standard Version says, conform, under the glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to do all things unto himself. A cross stood on Galgotha's heap or to motivate us to be conformed to it, to take up the cross of our Lord. To do that means that spirituality and spiritual things are primary in our life. They come first. To do that means that the will of God is the passion of my life. And above all else, I desire to serve and to sacrifice myself for us. And I understand that the only way to a crown is through the cross. We fashioned according to his death. Has the cross really come to mean that in our life? Do we understand that Jesus went to the cross so that we might take up that cross? And that we might offer ourselves willingly as did he? In unity of mind as did he? With readiness of mind as did he, and the humbleness of mind as did he, as a sacrifice and service of us. Is that the way our lives are lived? Is that the way we consider others in our lives? We see souls as the most important thing in life, and that the passion of our life. It's to save a world that's lost. The work of the cross did not stop when Jesus ascended to heaven, but it only began 
as he began to do and teach through the divine word that's found in this book. We're to carry on that work as his chief. Let us understand the way of the cross as the only way to a Christ. You're here this morning. You're not a child of God. Why not allow the cross to draw you to him? Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto myself. Let his death cause you to be obedient unto the gospel of Christ and put him on in baptism. Serve him all the days of your life. You finished a walk down the pathway of life. You, like Paul, can say, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me in that day. Not unto me only, but unto all them that love his opinion. You're subject this morning, won't you come as together we stand and sing.